Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Chabura. Tonight we have with us our beloved Rabbi Shaka Berdugo for an exciting public shiur exploring the nature of Minhagim. Uh, just an announcement for all those who are listening, uh, whether you be um, our members or just casual listeners, uh, we put out a feedback form asking people for their thoughts about how we're doing, how can we can improve. So uh, the link will be shared in our chats and the description of the video, our WhatsApp groups. So uh, it's very important for us to hear from you. So please take a second to fill it out. It'll really help us uh, grow and to become better uh, going forward. So with that, thank you so much, everyone, for being here. And thank you so much, Racham. And the floor is yours. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for taking the time to learn with me. Uh, there may be a slight echo in the background. I'm so sorry about that. My desk in my office is being occupied, so I'm actually in the hallway in my building. Um, so just just in case, um, hopefully everything will be okay. Anyways, to the point. So I think I say this before every class I give in the, in the Habura, but this is a really fundamental, very important class because it definitely occupies our entire daily life because minhagim really guide us you know the lashon minhag then he is to guide you in every single aspect in halakha so whatever a person does really it's going to be defined by the customs that he follows and a very important uh, fact is that the word minhag or the way we use the, way, the word minhag is very ambiguous and we're going to see that it, there's a minhagim that come from hahamim meaning from the Sanhedrin then you have minhagim that go to a city minhagamakom then you have minhagim from families and then you have minhagim that are some of them for humrot not to actually guide you in what sakalacha, and then you have minhagim that are there just to be mahmir or to help you have some zihirut, some carefulness and precaution in your halachic observance. So, with that being said, I'm going to share my screen and uh, we're going to go through a source sheet together. How do I do that again? Okay, yeah. Okay. Is that okay, Ohan? All right, so starting on a high level, we have national minhagim. Uh, national minhagim, I always like to bring it from the Rambam in Hilchot Mabim because, of course, as the Rambam always does, he just clarifies things and makes things very organized. So in Hilchot Mabim, he tells us, based off the Pasuk, Torah meaning you have to uh, follow what the Hachamim say, says, Elu hatakanot vagezerot vamin hagot, shirubahem lerabim kedil hazekadat ulitaken haolam. So, incorporated into this pasuk of following the Hachamim, not only does it have takanot and gezerot, but it also has minhagim. And the Ramam tells us in that same peric in, in Halacha Gimel is that. I'm just going to read the bold. So what does that mean? Meaning that the people started practicing a certain way 
And the Hachamim allowed us to continue that minhag. And not only did it allow us, they actually ratified it and codified it as a law. So the minhag that started from the people became ratified by the Bedin Agadol, and therefore we have to follow that minhag. So what are some cases of national minhagim that come from the national court, the Sanhedrin? So we have a case, for example, Gemara in Hulin says, the shemenol, which is the, 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 the oil, the, the fat of the Gidanashe, mutar ve'Yisrael kedushim nagubo yisur. So it's mikaradin, it's mutar. You're allowed to have the fat of the Gidanashe. However, Yisrael, Jewish people, they were holy. They wanted to sanctify themselves. And therefore, they have the custom to not eat it, to refrain from eating the fat of the Gidanashe. So now if you look at the Rambam, it's unbelievable how he codifies this law. He writes in Hilchot Ma'achalot Asurot, he says, right, the fat on the Gid, asur. it's not Asur, it's only Asur de Rabbanan, rabbinically. So the Rambam is telling us, he's using the Lashon Midivrei Sofrim, which is a Lashon saying it's from the rabbis, from the Sanhedrin. But the Gemara just said, it's a Minhag. But the Rambam, following in his approach that minhagim can become rabbinical from the Bedin Agadol, he tells us it's asun midivrei sofrim. And also, he follows this throughout the Mishnah Torah. If you go to Shivitat Yom Tov, regarding Yom Tov Sheni, he says, Right, that that we do in, outside of Eretz Israel, we do two days of Yom Tov, right? It's a custom. And he says, right? It's a rabbinical law, right? Again, it's only a minhag, but it's a minhag that became ratified by the Beit Nagadol. Can you guys hear me okay? I'm afraid of the echo. Yeah, that's okay, okay, because I'm hearing you very Okay, so now that's national minhagim. We're going to go now to minhagamakom, right? People like to use this word left and right. And again, it's very ambiguous, like we mentioned. So now, today, the whole point is to define what really is a minhag. So the first place we have it, or the main place we have it, is in a, in a, in a Gemra Psachim. It's actually called the Perik. It's called Makom Shenahagu. And it says, Makom Shenahagu la'asot melecha ba'arvei Pesachim adatsot, adhatsot, osin. So in a place where they had the custom to do work until hatsot, they can continue. They didn't have a minhag to not do work. However, if they have a custom, that city, that area has a custom not to do it, not to do work until Hatsot. So they're already pro prohibiting work early. And Osin, they're not allowed to do it. If you go from a place that they have the custom to a place that they don't have the custom, or vice versa. So wherever you're going, if you're going from a place that they do it to a place that they don't, or they don't, and they, into a place that they do it. So you have to take both stringent opinions into consideration, and you have to uh, make sure at the same time, don't change. The whole reason behind minhagim or following certain minhagim or following the locals of a certain place is because we don't want to create machloket. So... This part, we're, gonna, we're not going to get too into about going from one place to another place. I think we're going to have to do a part two if people like this series and uh, or they think it's it's a zochet to have another shiur on this. 
because uh, it, th that gets more complex and I think it's going to be too long. So we're today we're just going to focus on the minhaga makom. In, let's say you're in one place. We all, let's say you guys live in England or we live in Miami. What is the minhaga makom? And I live here and I'm not moving from Miami. I am moving, maybe to Arisisa, but uh, theoretically. Okay, so starts off, this is the main Gemara for our day. So the Gemara in Pesachim, it says, Bene Baishan. So we're going to leave out what is Bene Baishan, but who are they? But Nahagu Delo Havu Azlim Mitsur Litsidan Bimaale Shabita. So they had the custom, these people or this family, to not travel from Tsor, from a city from Tsor to Tsidon. Before Shabbat. So Atu Binaihu Kamid Rabbi Yohanan. So these children or the descendants of these people, they came in front of Rabbi Yohanan the Tana. And Amrulo, they said to him, So our forefathers, it was possible for them to keep this minhag. But us, we're not able to do it. It's too hard for us. We need to travel. Maybe they had better means whatever it was, but we cannot continue this minhag that our forefathers did. Ammar lehu. So Rabbi Yohanan said to them, Kevar I'm sorry, but your forefathers, they already accepted this on them, this custom. And it says, Shema beni You have to listen to the rebuke of your father. Right? And don't forsake the, the Torah of your mother. Of your from your it doesn't love dafka ima, but it means the customs. That's the main thing. Is do not forsaken the customs. So Rashi explains that what, what was happening that in the Yom Sidon on in Sidon, that city, there was a market at that day. That was the day of the marketplace, and it was on Erev Shabbat. So the forefathers that originally did this custom, they were stringent on themselves. They said, you know what, Friday we want it to be a day only dedicated to preparations for Shabbat. And we don't want to go to the marketplace either to sell our goods or to buy goods, whatever it was. But we don't want to travel on Erev Shabbat. So the children, though, however, they needed to. They could not keep up with this minhag. So we see, nevertheless, from the Gemara, that Rabbi Yohanan tells us that you must follow this minhag because it was already accepted by your forefathers. So the question is, who is Bnei Baishan? This is an important question because by defining who Bnei Baishan is, it's going to have significant amount of different nafkamino, different halakhic applications, right? When I I learned the Gemara maybe a couple of four or five times. And I always thought B'nai Baishan, simply, I'm sure everybody thinks as well, B'nai Baishan, the children of Baishan, maybe some family, you know, instead of Berdugo, they were called Baishan, that, that was a family. But it's not so clear. So let's see how the, the Rishonim look at it. But before, what's the big nafkamina? What's the practical difference if it's a family or if it's a city? Because if you say it's a family, right, these are words, I actually, I wrote a, a whole teshuvah on this. And everything that I'm just quoting here in this document, I just kind of dissected from this teshuvah that I wrote, and I'm just bringing it, in, bringing it here in like an outline format for us. So if you're going to say it's a family, then we see from here that there can be an acceptance on the children without any connection to the actual place that they are in. Therefore, what does that mean? If I'm living in Miami and I go to live in Mexico, 
Now my family, the Verdugo family, since my father accepted this custom, I have to continue this custom even in Mexico because it's a, an acceptance on my family if it's a mishpacha. However, if we say that B'nai Baishan was just a city, then we have to say is that it's only when you're living in that city. When I'm in Miami, Miami is B'nai Baishan. But now if I move to Mexico, Baruch Shepatrani, I don't have to keep this minag anymore. I'm a free man. I can go back to the Mi'ikaradin, the simple explanation or the simple pishat, the simple halakha that's accepted amongst Alam Yisrael. So now let's see how the Rambam he codifies this Gemara. So the Rambam says in Hilchot Shabbat, one line in the Gemara, one line of the, the Rambam, he says, we'll read the whole thing to get the concept better of what the Nebaishan were, were doing. So, so you're not allowed to, this is Halakha, we post it like this, you're not allowed to travel three days before Shabbat on a boat. You can't embark on a boat to go off traveling uh, before Shabbat. Why? Because Hahami wanted us to, you know, get used to being in the boat, not to get so seasick, etc. And if we're going to go within three days, we're not going to have a nice Shabbat. Right? So therefore, if we're on the, show, on the boat before, before three days, we're already used to it. Our bodies are used to it. We're not going to get seasick. It's not going to be tzar, etc. It's interesting, side note, just halacha nowadays. What about our cruises? You know, they didn't have boats like cruises back then. Now we have cruises and nobody's getting seasick. I mean, I'm sure maybe a few people do get seasick, but it's not the same type of seasick that the hachamim were talking about in the boats back then. So uh, some post game, like Moshe Levi, he says, nowadays our boats, no problem. Other post game, I think Hamubadi Yosef is machmir, but it's a bit machloket. Anyways, however, says the Ramban, However, if it's for a mitzvah, you need to embark on a boat because there's a some type of uh, urgency to do a mitzvah, it's okay. And you should tell the captain, please don't go on Shabbat, but even though he doesn't listen to you, no problem. Okay, so now this is the sugiya that we're working on. However, just to go from the city of Tzor to Tzidon, so the Rambam is using that example from our Gemara and anything similar, which is only one day travel. It's less than a three day travel. It doesn't take long time. Even for, you know, your own personal needs, not for a mitzvah, you're allowed to go on Erev Shabbat because it's not a long travel. It's just a couple, hour, couple hours of traveling and you could do that on Erev Shabbat. However, here's the words, Umakom. However, in a place where they don't have the custom to, sorry, where they have the custom to not travel out of Shabbat, to embark out of Shabbat, then you're not allowed to go. So the Rambam, clearly he's saying makom. He used the word makom. He didn't say mishpacha. He didn't say family. He's saying makom. So now let's... We're going to machine gun a bunch of different achronim, uh, rishonim, etc. to see what, what did they hold. So the Prihadash, the famous Prihadash, he says, the Baishan eno shem ish. He also says, like the Rambam, it's the, the word Baishan, the family Baishan, or the, what we thought is a family maybe, it's not a person, it's not a family. And the shem makom, it's a place. So he's giving us the whole context. What's Baishan? It's a nickname, like you're, you're a Floridian. It's, you're from Florida, the Floridian. Beit Shan is Baishanin, is Beit Shan. 
So he says, if you go in the Gemara Megillah, you see also, they use the word, and there they're not supposed to do because I think if I call correctly, they don't know how to pronounce the words properly. Right, and he also says, "Go look at the Aroch over there." And there, he talks about it as well that the Baishan is referring to a makom, and it's not referring to a family. So we're, we have the pre-hadash, the Aroch already telling us also it's not a family. Again, what's the significance behind this? Because if it's just a place, when you leave that place, we move from Miami to Mexico, we no longer have to keep this minhag anymore. It's only when they're staying in Miami, the Ramban. Also, the Ramban, ve'od, she'afilu b'dvarim she'lo kibilu alihem b'nei ha'ir v'haskama, ele she'nagu ken ma'atzmam la'asot geder v'sayag la'tora. Af ha'banim ha'yavim n'inhog b'yoto geder k'da'aminu b'mesech p'sachim sh'am b'nei b'yishan. So the Ramban as well, straight up, he's telling us it's talking about a makom, a place, right? Because this is, and he's, he's expounding us, this is, we were referring to in that Gemara is that a city that the people, the entire community agreed that they're not going to do something, right? Why? They wanted to uplift themselves and be more meticulous and be you know, more cautious in their observance of the mitzvot. So therefore, they stopped themselves from doing something that's really mutar. And that becomes a minhag, a makom. So again, what we see from the Ramban clearly, Bnei Baishan is referring to a makom. Shulchan Aruch. So halakha lemaaseh. For those who posek like the Shulchan Aruch. Kabbalah tarabim. Hala alihem ve'al zar'am ve'afilu bidvarim shelo kibilu alihem b'nei ha'ir ve'askama. Ele shenohagin ken me'atzmam la'asob gede v'sayag la'torah. You open up the Shulchan Aruch and you're there. He's only talking about Kabbalat Rabim. He's talking about Bnei Ha'ir. He's talking about a city. He never talked about a family. You open up the entire Shulchan Aruch, he never talks about Minhagim of my family from you know, this city in, in near Halaba. No, he's talking about, or more in Morocco, we have all this problem. Every city, every synagogue in the city had their own custom, every family. No, in the Shulchan Aruch, we have Minhagim from the city, an, a, uni, a unified custom of the city. So they can make a minhag. The Havot Yair. So we're going to go to our Ashkenazi friends from the Achronim, Gidole Achronim. He says, Dafka Kabbalat Rabbim Yahad. He says specifically, only a acceptance of the Rabbim of the entire Kihila, that and, and they establish it together, Yahad. And he says, He says, and you see from the Rivash as well, that it's all dependent on the makom, the place. The place is what causes the fact that you have to observe this custom, right? And he brings again, he says, We're talking about the makom. And he says very simply, this is beautiful, Sevara. He says, Because if you're going to say, not like what I'm saying, Right. How could it be that we find in every single generation these certain Hasidim, people that want to be really righteous, they're, you know, they, they, they do certain things of Hasidut and they fast a lot, etc. And the and the children, their own children, are not following the practices of their father. Right? They're doing a different path. 
So afki gam hen tzadikim v'yisharim, even though the children, they're also, of course, they're halachic observant Jews, nevertheless, they're not following all these stringencies that their parents did. So therefore you see the Habot the, Ya'ir the is saying, for sure, we're talking about minhagim of the makom, of the city, but family minhagim, it doesn't have that same power. Therefore, you could actually, he's telling us even bigger chidush is that, you know, if my family does something, I don't have to continue that minhag if it's just a minhag of my family, specific family. He's saying, if you're going to say that it's, uh, you know, that the children have to follow it, then it's more strict on the children than on the parents themselves. Why? Because like a father, let's say me, I'm my father, I'm the father, and I accept upon myself not to eat peanuts on Pesach. <laughs> Actually, people did that, but I'm not going to eat peanuts on Pesach. Right. So, so my, I, I can, if it's too hard for me, I said, you know, my wife, the only good thing she makes is peanut butter sandwiches or peanut butter matzah sandwiches. And I need to have peanuts. So it's too hard for me. So I can go to the hacham and I can have, I can give harata. I can feel bad about it. And my, my, the rabbi, my hacham will undo my nedir. Right. However, the children, they wouldn't be able to undo it. What happened in the Gemara? They said, listen, it's too hard. It's impossible for us. So, and that's, and what happened? Rabbi Yohanan said, I'm sorry, your father's already accepted it. You can't undo it. So you see that it doesn't make sense as the Habot Yair. Because if it's just a family custom, why can't the children undo it? The father, me, the father, I could have undone it, but my children can't do it. That's not fair. So he's saying, Misvara, you have to say, we're talking about a, we're talking about a Makom. Okay, so now, we're going to see another, a different side. Rabbeinu Yeruham. Rabbeinu Yeruham. He says, look how he learns the Gemara. Im nahagu avotav shelo lalechet be'erev Shabbat mimakom el makom acher. Perush. Sheba lifnei hacham ve'amar sheni akol lizbor oto minhag. En matin lo. We don't allow him to undo it. Ken pashut bepsachim. So the Ramah, I mean the Rabbeinu Yeruham says, nahagu avotav. Right, he's saying, again, you can kind of, Maybe read it into differently, saying avotav means the makom. But the fact is that he didn't tell us makom, like everybody else purposely changed it, right? He said avotav. So sound like he's he's referring to a family custom. He's learning the sugiya b'nei b'ishan as a family custom. And he's holding that, you know, you have to keep that family custom. This is unlike with the havot yair that we just said. So the me'iri... The Miri and Anshas, he says, "Im kiblu alehem leesor mitorat minhag, kide sheloli trasher b'sarche Shabbat, asur lehem leakel." Right? If they accept it upon themselves to prohibit themselves from something uh, as a minhag, because they don't want to be, uh, they want to be, you know, cautious in, in preparations of Shabbat, asur lehem leakel velo softa velo softa var lehem ela af lebenehem aharim. So not only for them they have to be machmir, even for their children. This is the big chidush that the Miri is saying. He's saying that even the children have to do it, even if the father did not uh, articulate that he wants this custom to be upon his children as well. He's just saying the the uh, the second you say you keep a minhag, I'm me as a father. I'm this is my minhag. I'm going to be machmir now. Automatically, it goes on to your children. And the Miri, again, he didn't tell us about city. It sounds like he's learning. Simply, you can argue. But simply, he sounds like he's learning that we're talking about 
the minhag of the family, a family minhag. Okay, so now we're gonna ask some questions. We saw so so far we saw the Rabbeinu Yerucham and the Meiri that whole Bnei Baishan we're talking we're referring to a custom of a family, as opposed to all the other Rishonim and Achronim that Hell is talking about the Shem Makom. It's a place. So we go to the Gemara in Chulin, and there it says Amar Ukva Ana Leha Milta Halabar Hamra. Says Mar Ukva. Me, in regards to this matter, or in regards to like my parents, I'm like, I'm a halabarhama, which means I'm homets ben yain. I'm vinegar who comes from wine, right? Vinegar is less valuable than wine. So I'm like not, uh, not as good as my previous generations. Oh, he says, in regards to my father. Why? Because my father, he hava achil bisra ha'idna, lo hava achal gevina ale mahar adashta. Right, my father, when he would eat meat at this moment, at one o'clock today, then tomorrow until one o'clock, he wouldn't eat any cheese. So he would do the minhag of 24 hours after he eats meat, he wouldn't eat cheese for 24 hours. I think this is what the Ariza as well held. So he says, but now Marukva, who's the son, of course, he says, me, However, me, I don't eat, after I eat meat at this meal, I won't eat cheese. And I'll wait until the next seuda. So it's a whole machloket. I mean, this, let's say the simple pshat of the Rambam is within the fifth hour, within the sixth hour. So each seuda, generally, it would be six hours apart. So if you eat an now, you know, you wait six hours till you have your dairy. So whatever, he wasn't going like his father. His father was Mahmir to do 24 hours and the son is doing six hours. So what do you see from this Gemara? We have a clear Gemara that minhagim that are based off your family custom, the kids don't have to do it, right? So that's a question on, on the Mi'iri, on the Rabbeinu Yeruham. And we're going to see other Achronim as well that learn that it's talking about this, a, a family custom also goes on to their children as well. So that's a question. So how do we answer this? Or how do some people answer? So we have the Shut She'elet David. He says in a, in a, I don't know, I forgot the exact name. He's from Ashkenaz. He says, So he makes a chiluk. What's the chiluk? What is, how does he, he's going with the opinion like the Mi'iri, like Rabbeinu Yeruham, that Bnei Baishan was a Shem Mishpacha. So there's a difference. When the custom was accepted upon the father and upon his children, right, which means he stipulated, I want this to be on my children as well, but Mefurash, he clearly stipulated this, then it falls onto the children. But if, you know, you were just quiet and you just said, oh, I'm going to be Mahmir, you didn't stipulate for your children as well, then your children do not have to follow this minhag. The Pritoar, right, the Pritoar was the Orahaim Kadosh who would argue on the pre-Hadash, pretty much he made the whole sefer to argue on the pre-Hadash. And he says also, he says, right? He's trying to attack the pre-Hadash. He's saying, when we say, uh, that's talking about when the parents as well accepted it on their, on their children. 
It's going to be an everlasting minhag. And only on that we say, However, however, if a person just, you know, is doing a, a humra upon himself and he didn't do a full on acceptance, then the children don't have to do it. Right, he can. Right, he's always doing this bli neder. You know, this is a minhag, but I'm not doing it as a neder forever. So again, he says, and look, in, in, if you go to the underline, right, same. He, so the pre hadash is learning that that gemara in chulina marukva that he didn't eat cheese. That was a type of humrah on himself, and it wasn't this type of humrah that's going to be everlasting on the children as well. Right, so. The, in in short, though this this approach has one benefit, one I would I don't know benefit, but one point let's say because the pasuk sounds like we're talking about family things, right? Avi imo. Why is it talking about father and mother, right? Are you going to use that pasuk for a shem makom for a place, right? I skipped it before, but I think the the havot yair he says. The Habot Yair, he says, yeah, he says, I missed it. He says, That's Asmachta. Don't take it literal. Of course, we're referring to a place, a Makom. But they're using that as, you know, your father is your, you know, your native, your, your mama land, the land where you come from. So that's what it means, Shema Bini Musaradicha. However, the Pritoar and Rabbeinu Yerucham, etc., they're learning it. No, it's talking about a family custom. So that's why the pre-toir is also going with that approach as well. So, however, my own personal questions on this shita is that, you know, I, this is the simple approach of a way a lot of people learn the Gemara is ikar haser You're, you know, the, it's beautiful chidush the chilukim that the the shelet David and the pre-toir are giving. But, however, the Gemara didn't give any chilukim like that. You know, at least the Gemara should tell us something. You know, it's so satum, it's so sealed and, and, and without giving, you know, general, these general concepts. How do you know this? You know, they have to add this in, but it's not in the Gemara. The Gemara doesn't make any difference. The simple answer is that B'nai Baishan is a makom and Marukba was talking about a family minhag and therefore Shalom Yisrael. We don't have to make all these hilukim. It's very simple. But when you're going to go, that it's no, everything's a family minhag. Both Gemara to deal with family minhag. So you have to do, you know, a Tosafot style shita. No, there's Svedinim, there's Tuchilukim. That's talking about when you accept it forever. And this is when you're accepting it, you know, in, in just as a Torah Chumrah, Belineder, not the, but again, that, that, I don't think the Habura, we're not into that approach. I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody, but uh, in general, I see uh, Abi's nodding your head. Yeah. Abby. Okay, he's laughing. Okay. But, so, Anyways, Sikum, most Achronim, most Rishonim, they go like the Piri Hadash. And we have the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch. You know, so let's say you're, you know, you're either a Rambamnik or you're a Maranik, you, you go with those two Shitot. You see that we only have this concept of a Minhag by a Makom, the place. Again, so therefore, what happens is when you go to a different place, you move to a different city, you move to Mexico, no longer do you have to follow those Minhagim. Right, which this is, you know, it's it's very interesting because, you know, so many people 
they they you know oh I'm Moroccan I follow this minhag and this minhag and this and you're living in Miami Beach uh, I was you know uh, <laughs> those were minhagim when you're in Morocco but when you're moving here in Miami Beach do you have to follow those minhagim those kumrot again we still have to as I say in Yiddish taich we have to see define exactly what is a minhag but just to get the basic concept right now is that minhag according to rov rishonim and achronim. It's only talking, it's only attached to the place. Once you detach from that place, you are no longer obligated in those minhagim. And I, I found this is my own little chidush, a little a boost for the opinion of the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch, is that there's another Gemara with Rabbi Yohanan. Remember, Rabbi Yohanan was the one that they came to, the Bnei Baishan came to. And here in the Gemara in Hulin, there was a case of, uh, of the Be'e Hashilta, which is it's the it's a very eloquent food. Uh, it's a it crushed crushed testicles that are connected to the animal. Are you allowed to eat them or not? So Rav Ami and Rav Asi, it's a machloket. One says it's okay, and one says it's not okay. One says it's it's asur because uh, uh, since they're crushed and they're not getting healed, it's like ever It's like a detached limb now. And uh, the one that says it's okay, because since it's not rotting, it's not, uh, it's not considered uh, detached. So therefore, it's still mutar when you shech the animal. Of course, we're talking about when you do shechita the animal. So the Gemara says, mm-hmm. So now, to the point where, we're, where, where we need to define, is that Rabbi Yohanan goes to Rabbi Shemin Bar Abba, and he says, you know these eggs or the, these testicles from the from the animal, the crushed testicles. You're not allowed to eat them. Why? Mishum mecha. It's a minhag. You're not allowed to eat them. And now look at the 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 rishonim how they learn this. So it says Rashi. He says minhag You come from Bavel, Rav Shemin, and Sham no hagin bo isura. There in Bavel, there machmir. Right, or it's not that they're no to be asur. They are they are perceived to be asur because because uh, I think that's the 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 place where Rav Asi was, and therefore that's your location, and therefore you you have to follow that shita. Tosafot as well. Right, He's, again, Tosafot saying since if you're going to go back, even though you're here in Eretz Israel, if you're going to go back to Bavel, you have to be machmir. You could because your intention is to go back and you have to keep the minhagim from Bavel. Or perhaps those about saying Inami, the at When you go back to Bavel, make sure you don't eat it there. Uh, or the people in Babylon, they can't eat it because that's a minhag there, because they're posek to be asu. So you see that this whole Gemara as well, it's not talking about a family minhag, it's talking about a makom, a place. And who, who, who was talking here? Rabbi Yohanan. So you see Rabbi Yohanan is using the pasuk, you know, the whole context of following your minhagin regarding place, places. So therefore, you know, there shouldn't be any chilukim. Just like here, he's talking about place in Gemara and Cholin. So to in Pesachim as well, he's talking about a place. So that's my own little chidush. You can argue if you want, but uh, that's, I thought something was nice. Fine. Uh, okay, so now this is probably the most important part of this little haburan that we have to focus on. What is considered to be a minhag? That we can have this whole battle about minhagim. So the stehemed, 
he says something very foundational, very fundamental, very important. I'm just going to read. He says, Minhag shina avot, this concept of a minhag that we have to follow and the children can't change it. He's saying that this is only referring to things that are not asur because, you know, that's how you understood the Gemara or that's how somebody is posek. Rather, it's something... A minhag is only when people are stringent upon themselves because they want to be careful, precautious about certain things. Like that Gamaran Baishan that we just talked about. They wouldn't go from this area, even though it was okay. Right? All other minhagim as well. It has to be not things that are asur minadin. Rather, it's things that are only asur mishum humura vizihirut. They want to be cautious, extra level of caution. Aval, here he expounds, he says, However, things that are dependent on how the Rishonim, or how the Rambam learn, how the Rif learn, right, where he's dealing with a certain case, I just cut this out from, right, where, so something that it's a machloke, and you have a proof, let's say you're a posek, and you have a proof from a Gemara that the Rambam is more correct than the, than the, the Rashba. Oh, so he says, oh, sorry, putting on tefillin and cholamoed, like the big controversial halakha. Can you put on tefillin and cholamoed? Do you have to? So, right? if your father had the custom like in Ashkenaz before, let's say the Hasidim, you know, they were wearing tefillin and cholamoed. And the, the, the child, child, he changed and wants to do like the Sephardi minhag, right? Not to put on tefillin. En bekach kilum. Says this Hamed, no problem at all. Why? Because this is not a minhag of zihirut and humrot. This is a minhag al-piyadin. What is the halakha? How do you learn the Gemara? Do you take Kabbalah over Gemara? It's a, this is a, a, a thing of, of halakha. Something in the Beit Midrash that they would argue about. So that's something that says the Stehemed that, you know, today, let's say I'm Ashkenazi and I don't put on Tefillin Achola Moed, you know, and, and my son decides that he wants to start putting Tefillin to go with the old, actually the old Sephardi Minhag before, let's say, the Kabbalah. So he's allowed to do it. That's not considered going against the Minhag because that's the Din. That's a Machloket according to the strict Halakha. Right, uh, let's see if I have to go. Right, right. So he goes through this, he, he expands upon this. So in short, this I think is the most important yisod that people kind of get confused about. And you see this after reading this, you're going to see even in the Sfarim of people of Akronim, they're actually, you know, they're using the word minhag and giving it strength for things that are just you know, that are that not for just, but things that are alpidin. You know, you can't use, says the Stehemen, you can't use the word minhag when you're talking about things that are based off din, based off psakalachav, how to learn the Gemara, how you understand the Rishonim, how you understand the Achronim, etc. Minhag can only come, for example, okay, yeah, we have a custom that we want to be machmir and not eat kidniyot. That's a straight up minhag. Okay, do you, that's another question. Do you have to keep it when you leave? You know, edits Ashkenaz, does it still apply nowadays? All the reasons that they gave, etc. That's a whole nother shiur and a whole nother can of worms. 
That's very controversial. However, that's a minhag. It's a minhag because they're just being machbir. Everybody agrees. You know, maybe you're going to find somebody, maybe a few poskim that try to find a mikor for their minhag from Gemara. But come on, you know, nobody ever learned like that. They were eating rice in the Gemara on, 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 as one of their tafshilin in, in, in the seder plate. Everybody agrees. Minadin, it's okay. That's a minhag. They want to be machmir. However, you know, if you have a, a machloket, you know, should you say the Moroccans that say they on Rosh Chodesh, when they're saying halal, they make the beracha. They go like the riff. Uh, they make the beracha when they're in the tzibur with the minyan, and I think uh, I don't know Spanish, Spanish, Portuguese. They do it. A lot of different Sfaradim do it. And the Rambam held you shouldn't do it. So that's a machloket, not because of minhag. It's alpidin, and it's true. We use the word. It's a borrowed, borrowed, borrowed term that we use the word minhag for it. Because yes, I'm from Morocco, and therefore that was the accepted psakalacha in Morocco, and therefore our minhag, quote unquote, is to not, or to recite the Beracha of Halel on Rosh Chodesh. But that's not minhag in the halachic sense that we're talking about. Minhag is only talking about humrot or, kulot, or humrot, to be zihirut, to be mahmir on al-piyadin. But let's say, technically, according to the Hamid, if I talk to Nuhacham, I talk to Rabbi Duak, and he tells me, oh, the, the minhag of Morocco was like this, but look, we found this, we have this, we have that, 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 that. And this is the reason why you say that you should, should that you should not say the beracha. So if you want to change your custom, quote unquote, technically you're allowed to because it's al piyadin reciting the beracha. Should you, should you not? Is a machloket al piyadin. It's not a machloket on humrot. Fine. Getting back to uh, the stehemet, there is one question that you can ask on the stehemet, right? The stehemet is this. What this foundation that we just established is that when it's al piyadin, that's not minhag. However, we had a gemara in Hulin, right? We had this gemara in Hulin, and Hulin regarding these crushed testicles, Rashi said the bavel no hagin bo isura. In bavel, there no heg to be asur because of the machloket of Rav Ami Rav Asi. That's a machloket al piyadin, and nevertheless. Rabbi Yohanan said there, you have to be machmir. Why? Shema mini musaravicha. So Rabbi Yohanan is invoking the minhag, the concept of minhag on a machloket al piyadin. So how do you answer that according to the stehemed? The stehemed just gave us this beautiful yesod. I was so happy. But then now you see, we have a question, a question on this. That from this Gemara, you see that even in things al piyadin, there's a minhag. So if you come from Morocco and you do not make the beracha, that's a minhag. It's a minhag, not just because of, uh, you know, you want to be machmir. No, it's a minhag. You use the term minhag. It's correct to use the word minhag. So a terutz, an answer for this. This is a beautiful thing I found in the Rambam. Look how the Rambam learns this whole gemara in Hulin regarding the crushed testicles. He says... Shemat ever or meacho dacho kegona betzim shemaachotan, right? These, the, the, let's say, the testicles that were crushed or nitkan, they got the uh, cut off. Hareze enu asur mina Torah. It's not forbidden from the Torah. Share yeshbo mixat hayim because it still has a life source to it. Ulefichach in masriach, and that's why it doesn't rot. Ve'afar pichen, this is the important part. Asur leochlo miminhag shenahagu kol Yisrael mikodem. It's forbidden to eat it because it's an old minhag that he says 
the entire Jewish people, because it's similar to Evan Minachai. So what did the Ramam just do? <laughs> the Ramam learned the Gemara, and this happens all the time when you just open your eyes to these things. He didn't learn like Rashi, he didn't learn like Tosafot. He learned it that the reason why Rabbi Yohanan was telling Rav Shemit to be Mahmir is not because you come from Babel, etc. No, you have to be Mahmir because this is the Minhag Am Yisrael. That's how he learned it. And therefore, from this Gemara, we see it's not a problem according to Stehemet because it's a Minhag Mishum Humra. It's not Minadin, that was a Machloket. And we post like it's okay. However, Am Yisrael, they wanted to be Kedoshim Hem, they wanted to be Mahmir, holy, and they were Mahmir. So therefore, beautiful. It fits in with our approach of the Stehemet that we only use the word Minhag for things that are Shiloh Minadin, that are not Halachic technicalities. So that was beautiful. You guys should be dancing in your chairs for that. Fine. Magid Mishneh. Also, the Magid Mishneh, he also learned like that. He, he explains the Rambam, how the Rambam learned the Sugiyah differently than Rashi. He has a question on the Rambam's Pshat because the Rambam, the, the Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan said, You shouldn't eat it. Right, which is mashma, not like the Rambam. It's mashma like only you, Rav Shemin, are not allowed to eat it, but we're allowed to eat it here in Eretz Israel. So first of all, I mean, we don't know the girsaot that the Rambam had in the Gemara. And on top of it, you can learn like, like it's love dafka, like you don't eat it, meaning, you know, we're not allowed to eat it. But he's just commanding him because perhaps he didn't know this custom. Something like that. You can answer it different ways. But nevertheless, we have the Rambam codifying this. So now just to end, before we end off, just want to, I want to give the reality, this, historically, why this is the correct approach. And we see this in our Jewish history, right? Because, let's see, right, every single generation, every single city, we see halachot changing. When I say halachot, meaning minadin. For example, before in Spain, Let's say the Minhag was like the Ibn Migash, or it was like the Rif. Sorry, the Halakha in Spain was like the Rif. Everybody followed the Rif. The Rambam, when he was younger, he only argued on 10 Halakhot with the Rif. But then he changed it and he went even, you know, had many more Mahlakot with the Rif. And who was the Mare de Atra? Who was the Posek of Spain? The Rambam. So what happened? People changed their Minhagim. Again, Minhagim, quote unquote. Why? Because it's not a Minhag of Humrah. They changed how to understand Al Piyadin. Right, so too, believe it or not, after the Ramban, have, he passed away. Who became the Mare de Atra of Spain? The Rosh. From Ashkenaz, he came, he fled after Madame de Merotenberg had problems there, and he came to Spain and he became the Mare de Atra. And he, you know, instilled a lot of the his own psakim, not minhagim from you know Ashkenaz that he brought to to uh, to Spain. That's not what, what he was doing. He was actually learning the sugiyot. He had a different approach. He had the approach of the Tosafot of how to understand the sugiyot. And therefore, due to him as a posek, changing the alachot or learning them a different way, the custom, again, quote-unquote custom, in Spain changed. It evolved differently because he was the new posek that everybody followed. right? And this happens in every single city, every single place. Nobody had a constant minhag forever and ever and ever. You know, so that's why, like, when you say, oh, this is my minhag in Tunisia, in this city. Yeah, okay, how long was that minhag for? 100 years? 150 years? You know, it, it depends what time it was, you know. It depends who was the rabbi of that city. Because 
it's it's not static. Halakha is not static. And these quote unquote minhakim change based on which posek comes and learns the sugiah a different way. And this is important, some gemarot to, to help prove this point. For example, in Baba Batra, it says, uh, Rava, he would tell to Rav Papa and Rav Huna, his Talmidim. He says, This is important. When one of my psak halachot, one of my psakim of halacha comes before you, the hazetu pircha, and you see a question in it, you, you know, you have a difficulty in it. Don't rip it up right away, you know, my psakalacha. Rather, you know, come to me first. He says, If I have a good reason behind it, I'm going to explain it to you. And if I don't have a good reason, then, you know, of course, he's a sadiq, he's a real ishamet. I'm going to retract from what I said and change my halacha. However, after Rava passes away, <clears throat> he says, Don't rip it up too fast when you see new halacha, my halachot come before you and you don't understand them. Don't rip it up, but at the same time, don't learn from it. Right? So he says, Don't rip it up because if I was still alive, I would have told you the reason. But don't learn from it either. Because you as a Dayan, you, my students, Rav Papa and Rava, Rafuna, as my Talmidim, you guys are Dayanim, quote-unquote, and therefore, you can only be posek with what you see before you, meaning what information you have before you. It's not Kabbalistic things that, oh, my Rebbe said this, and therefore I don't understand it, and therefore I still have to follow the Halakha. No. Use your Sechel. If it doesn't make sense anymore, you don't have to do it, and, and because you have other information. So therefore, you see, this is the concept that for, yeah, I, I, I learned this source. I mean, I've, I read it before in the Gemara, but who really brought this out? Hamovade Yosef, when he was, when he was a young, he was a young lad giving shiurim in, I hope I'm using the word lad, right? He was a young person giving shiurim in, in uh, I think, the Mashadi synagogue in, in, uh, in Yerushalayim. And he started giving a shiur, being cholek on the Benishai all the time, arguing and arguing on the Benishai. And the Rabbanim got very upset, especially the elder Rabbanim. And he's Iraqi, and the Benishai was from Iraq. And they said, how can you argue on the Benishai? Who are you? This and that. that. So he went up, he went to his, his Rebbe, Rav Adas, and Rav Adas said, Tamshikh, continue, don't worry. It's not a problem. You know, you have questions on the Benishai. He's not here to answer. You know, of course, don't rip it off, give it kapod, but you can argue and posek differently. And this is this is how halacha is all the time. Every generation, you have new hachamim, new information coming before you. You can argue with it. You can, of course, have respect for it. And of course, we're only dealing with people that really know all the sources very well and are hachamim, poskim, dayanim, etc. But they are allowed to change the, again, quote-unquote, minhag, based off what they see and how they learn the sugiyot. Right? And this is, you know, a very fundamental uh, uh, yesod, especially nowadays. Actually, maybe I'll, I'll talk about this as, as we finish. Says another another proof, Rafaim Vilajan as well. He says, Afalpi, even though I uh, even though I did a lot of shimush, I think he's referring to the Vinna Gaon. He says, because later he also talks about it. Right? I was very 
I was very, you know, respectful to him. I treated him like, uh, you know, like uh, the way I should treat Hashem. I still have to guard what Hamim told us. Meaning, what did what did uh, Rabbi say to them, right? When you see a, a psak and you don't understand it, you know you don't have to follow it, right? Right? Even the guy in the Vilna, he would tell the Rav Chaim Belashin, you know, don't there's no don't show any favoritisms in halacha. If you forsake a different way, you go and go for it, right? Maran as, as well in Afkat Rochel. He talks about how the way the Ritva and the Rivash, they learn a certain Rishon a certain way. Says Maran, but if I learn differently, I can be cholek on them. Right? He says, he uses a Talmudic expression. I'm not just saying, you know, we're not just uh, wood choppers in the, in, the, in the forest. You know, we're, we're, we're serious people. You know, he's saying we can have an opinion. We have a say as well. Right, Ramazuz always says, you know, Ramazuz, he says, in monopoly the Torah. There's no monopoly for the Torah. People can be cholek. Right. Uh, also, uh, uh, oh, I didn't bring it here. I did, the Rav Chaim Palaji has a whole thing as well, talking about this. He says the Tamil Hacham he has to write his his uh, his sakim in a sefer and 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 show people that etc. This is an important fact. So what I wanted to say before is that in our generations, it's true. You come from Morocco, you come from Tunisia, you come from Iraq, you come from Syria. You have beautiful minhagim. However, there's something very special that is happening now in our generation. It started already with Hamubadia and it's continuing. I'm sure it started before, I'm not sure. But we see from Hamubadia this uh, tremendously, but it's continuing like crazy now as well, is that we are in a generation with so much access to any type of sefer you want, any type of you know, resources that we never had before. We have the Cairo Zot, we have different you know, tishubot that we've never seen before. Before to get a sefer, you know what it was? You know, the brisker up when he got a, a set of the Rambam, you know, he would sleep with it. He would go with it everywhere he had because this was so precious to him and so beloved. And, you know, to have a, a sefer was a very important, a very hashu thing. Itself was very costly. You know, but nowadays we have, you have, you have so many different things. You know, who says that halacha has to be static and, static and we have to freeze it where it was? We have new information, new tishuvot. You know, the big thing, like, for example, you know, when you guys, when we just read the Aserat the Diburot, do you stand up or do you not stand up? So the Minag of many Sfaradim was to stand up. Most Sfaradim would stand up. Almost everybody would stand up. However, Rav came with a big thing saying, we find a new Teshuvah, the Rambam, that says you're not supposed to stand up and therefore you have to sit down. So do we follow it? Do we not? That's a separate issue if it applies nowadays or not. But nevertheless, the fact is we have new information coming about all the time. We're learning from our peers left and right, whether they're Ashkenazi, Sfaradim, it doesn't matter, Tamanim, Rav Kapach, we have, you know, did anybody in Morocco ever get to read the Tishuvot of Rav Kapach and what the Yemenite Hachamim ever got this, what, what they came up with, the Chidushim? No, they were in a remote place and didn't have such, you know, access to Hachamim in Morocco. I don't know, maybe somebody's going to prove me historically wrong, but again, you get the point. They had this this connection from all these places, and now we get to see all these different tishuvot, different opinions, different ways of thinking, and therefore we can't just freeze the halacha and say, "Oh, oh minag Morocco, that's it." You know, I'm sure my if any of my Moroccan rabbanim that I'm very close with listen to this, they're going to want to put me in hiding for this. But the truth is, like that, that's the point we see most rishonim minag makom is only when you're in the makom, and number two. That's a whole other thing. But number two, minhag does not apply to things that are alpidin. So therefore, when we have new information, new access, 
different shitot, we have to reassess it in every generation. And this is historically what happened in every single generation. Anuchaham comes to the city and he revives or he revolutionizes the halakha. The, for a second part, if we do another part in this series, it, it should be about, you know, the real minhagim, meaning humrot. Let's say in Ashkenaz, they don't eat kidniyot. And now you leave Ashkenaz to a different place. Do you have to follow that minhag? Is it what happens if you, there's an existing community and then another community comes, do they have to, can they be batel? Are they batel, nullified to the existing community? Or can they make their own community within that community and preserve their old minhagim? All these things, that's a whole other kind of worms. And maybe another time we'll talk about that. Thank you so much for listening to me. Thank you so much, Kham. And uh, uh, do you have time for questions? Yeah, it was the first time I ever finished early. Okay, so if anyone has any questions, they can raise their hand. Um, or And soon we'll also look in the chat box. Uh, Avi. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a few questions in the chat box. I don't want to take too much time, but I, I just want to clarify a little bit, according to the Stechemed, where it distinguishes between um, the minhag, which is a machloket in din, um, to a minhag of a of, the, of a family, um, where or someone sorry someone's machmir on themselves. Um, so how again does he understand the the gemara where the father um, of Marukba would do the next day, um, like he wouldn't have gavina until the next day, and but really what the question I'm trying to ask though is. Um, you know, we, we mentioned an answer of, oh, he was machmir on himself, right? Nowadays, when some, I know, I have a, a minhag of, that is passed on from my father, but we don't know, yeah, maybe his great-great-grandfather did it, right? But we don't know if that was originally just, uh, there was a very good reason for it at the time, or, um, so, you know, we don't have documents and manuscripts of when that minhag started within a family. For me, that's a big problem with family minhagim, you know, no one knows the context of it. So just that's really the question I'm, I'm having. Like, how maybe it was someone was machmir on themselves. He was a very he was a pietist. Um, or maybe, yeah. I don't know if you could clarify that. If that's clear. Yeah. No. In general, the, the approach that we came came out with is that most opinions hold that family minhagim. There's not even a concept of family minhagim. That, that's what it is. The case of like you see the simple case of Marukba was it just applied to the father and not to the son. And that's it. And that's exactly what the, the Habotiyayir as well. The father can be doing all these different minhagim, and he perhaps doesn't even have the power to, to pass it over to his son, to their children. And only minhagim, the only concept that the Shulchan Aruch has, the entire Shulchan Aruch of minhagim, is when the entire city accepts a minhag. But again, according to the Stehemed, not al-piyadin, Rather, it's because they want to be mahmir on something. They don't want to eat rice on Pesach, let's say, if you're Moroccan. Again, there's a whole question. We have to understand where did this minhag develop? What was the reason for the minhag? For next year, perhaps, you know, does it, does it, is it, you know, does it apply when you leave that city, that minhag? And on top of it, if the reason behind the minhag when it was first enacted, if, you know, it changed the reason, you know, back then the boats that say, they would carry the, the rice with the wheat on the same boats. And therefore, nowadays, they don't do it like that anymore. You know, does it still apply anymore? Can you just say goodbye, minhag? Do you have to do patarani darim? That's another thing. But those are minhagim that they want to be mahmir. 
But again, that's only if it's a minhag of the entire Tetuan, the entire Gibraltar, the entire something, but or the entire Morocco, of course, Kadnachomer. But if it's just a, ma- a family minhag, your mother or your father's minhag is not to eat chicken on uh, on, on Pesach because perhaps the chicken ate uh, you know grain a week before and therefore it's uh, mahmits or something, you know. And there are people like that. But again, it was never an entire minhag that a city accepted, you know, a general consensus of the city. So those type of families, minhagim, you know, they don't really, there's no, since, again, because they're learning, B'nai Baishan was not a family. It was a makom. Therefore, we don't have any precedents to, precedents to teach us the concept that you have to follow a family minhag. We don't have that. There's no source for that, according to the way the Rav Rishonim learned. And you see, the Ramam doesn't have that anywhere in the Mishra Torah, nowhere. That's how they learn the Gemara. The Minhagim, family Minhagim, it's nice, you know, when you're in your house of your father, maybe you could keep it as well, but, or perhaps you don't even have to keep it. We don't know when Mar'ufa, was he Mekel, you know, when his father was, when he was living in his father's house or not. We don't know, but uh, that's okay. And most, when you're living in your father's house, but the second you get married and you move somewhere else, who says you have to follow that Minhag? You know, you created your own house. It's not, it's not as binding. There are some questions here in the side. Um, anything I should read in specific, guys? Yes, they seem like all great questions. Can you can you tell me which ones to read? Um, sure. Let's go maybe from the top. So we have uh, Vedat um, is. Is the Shulchan Aruch talking about a communal acceptance or one which is essentially enacted by a Bet-Din? Uh, say how the Rambam words it, Bet-Din she'gazru gezerao itkinu takanavi and higu minhag. Right, so we first started off as the national minhagim from the Bet-Din Agadol. That we don't have nowadays. Oh, I mean, we have a continuation of certain minhagim that they enacted, which we said like eating the, sh- the shuman, the, the fat of the Gida Nashe or Yom Tov Sheni. Those are minhagim that are, you know, from the Betin Agadol. However, every other, you know, mina, or I'm sure there's a few other more, but the, the way that minhagim generally is now is just based off your city you live in. And that's it. We don't have, you know, it's the Betin of your city. And that's it. Right. Do you need evidence of the Bedin doing it? That's a good question. I mean, so again, you don't have to have a Bedin of the of the Sanhedrin or a Bedin of no, the no. This, I think that's what Vedat is referring to, like the a local Bedin or just communal or people in the community do it. But do, do we need oh, evidence oh, of Vedat the is referring to the, Oh, yeah. Sorry. No. So, I mean, we saw from the Habot Yair and also from different Rishonim as well. It doesn't, or B'nai Baishan as well. We don't. If it's a makom, we don't. It doesn't have to dafka come from the bedin, right? The Rambam there is only talking about from the bedin agadol. Bedin in the Rambam's context is bedin agadol. That's for sure in Hilchot Mamim. But nowadays, when we have a city that makes a, a, a minhag, it doesn't have to per se come from the bedin. It could come from either the bedin, the chamim of that city. They decide to uplift the community, or they, the community needs certain new takanot, gezerot, etc. Right? If you have in, in Morocco, you have books on takanot and you know chumrot that the, the chachamim did there. Or it could come from just the people, a kabbalat adat rabim. The people together, however it evolved, they decided that we know we need to be machmir on this, and you know it kind of spread, and therefore it became a a city-wide minhag. Which you know nowadays these things are not being made nowadays in any city because there's no ahdud at all. <laughs> so we don't really have these type of these minhagim nowadays. Okay, that's a whole other topic, but. Uh...
Yeah. We have a question from Jesse Lappin today. In communities where Sami Nagim are taken very seriously, especially within Ashkenazi communities, how should we go ahead reforming this to generate new minhagim that are more appropriate for the generation? Yeah, I mean, you have so many books you're right on minhagim. You know, they use, uh, it's funny, they use the word, was it? Oh no, how do you spell minhag backwards? It's gehinom. So there's <laughs> there's two ways to learn it. Is it, you know, if you follow your minhag, you're going to gehinom, or if you don't follow your minhag, you're going to gehinom. Most, all the books on minhagim, they're using it the second option, that if you don't follow your minhagim, you go to gehinom. So any type of minhag you have to follow. I mean, first off, again, it's, uh, like I said, these minhagim, they were set for a certain place, in a certain area, in a certain reality at that time. And therefore, when things change, when the reality changed, do we have to still follow these minhagim? I'll give you an example. For example, the Ramah brings down, I think it's from the Kolbo, that the Khatan, when he's doing the Birkat Erusin, uh, he's getting engaged, right? The, who makes the Beracha? Says the Ramah, the Misader Kiddushin, the rabbi officiating the wedding, he should make this Beracha. Why? Says because in that time, people don't read Hebrew so well. And we're afraid that the Hatan is going to mess up and get embarrassed. So therefore, even though this is seemingly, a, it's 100%, it's a birkata mitzvah. I mean, how can somebody else say the berachah? You're getting married to this girl and you want to you make her mikudeshe to you. So you have the mitzvah. It's not on a mitzvah on the rabbi, Yudushin. you have to say the berachah. So how can we give it to somebody else to say the berachah? However, the Ramah says that because in that time in Ashkenaz, most people, they didn't know, Stambalabait didn't know Hebrew, how to read so well. And people in general, you know, it's not how it is nowadays that everybody knows how to read. Now, a lot of people didn't know how to read. Even some common folk people, they didn't know how to read so well. So he says, since they may not know how to read so well, therefore, they're going to get embarrassed. So therefore, give it to the Masada Kiddushin, which is not so pashut. And guess what? Nowadays, that is still the custom almost everywhere. It even spread to the Sephardi world, which is unbelievable. So you have Rabbanim, like Rav Mazuz, my Rabbi Rabbi Chaim as well, they say, do not follow this minhag. You're the Chatan, Mizadish and many Bahurim here, they're going to get married soon. They should say the Beracha themselves under the Chupa. Don't give it to somebody else. You know how to read Hebrew? Do most people know how to read Hebrew? Even secular Jews. Besides the fact we have a state of Israel that you have every secular, secular Israeli knowing how to speak Hebrew and read Hebrew. Does that minhag still apply nowadays? Again, is, it, again, is this a minhag from the Beitin Nagadol that we have to follow? No, you have to use your Seichem. Again, this, thing, this happens with Kidniot as well. But that's a much more uh, controversial. I wrote something on that. If you private me, private message me, I can send you a tissue I wrote on it. Does it really apply nowadays as well? You know, these type of minhagim. Again, it became, you know what it is? The simple answer, it's a political thing. Because, you know, starting from, let's say, the Hatam Sofer, you know, if you're going to do new things, you know, you're going to make new things or make changes. That's the main word. If you're going to do changes... You know, you're, you're waging war on our customs. And again, we're fighting the Haskalah. Judaism is in defense mode right now. So therefore, you know, we have these customs. We have to preserve them. If we're going to change them, you know, you're going, you're going to become like reform. You're going to become conservative. So therefore, you know, we don't want to change any minhagim. And I think that could be, maybe I'm just thinking a lot with you guys. Could be that's the reason why minhagim became so strong. You know, it's because we're afraid of any change at all. Because we see what change does. Could be another approach. Um, you have time for another question yeah, or two? Just want to, you look uncomfortable in the stairway. Oh, no, I love it. <laughs> you guys, it's the best. Ah. Okay. And I have a question from Rob. Uh, assuming Machloket is the main reason to avoid not following local minhag, 
Surely that does not apply to family minhag. I mean, there could be machloket if some kids don't want to follow and others do, but seems not to the same degree or with the same impact as communal disagreements, in, wi- in which case there would need to be another justification. Perhaps a neder, uh, but it does seem strange a father can invoke a neder on all generations to come. Conversely, on the point of machloket being a reason to keep a local minhag, then couldn't changing a minhag al pihadin lead to machloket in a community and therefore it's a problem. You want to summarize that in one sentence for me, Hamad? <laughs> Let's see, it was many questions over here. I hear the point, yeah. It, it, uh, I'd say a lot of things to digest in that. Right, does the minhag, is, is the whole thing about machloket, does it apply to family minhag? Right, it applies in a smaller degree, like you said, in uh, in your family home, you know, you want shalom in the home. But, I think the question is kind of what is Machloket the reason why the Chachamim institutes that we have to follow local Minagim? Is that the only and the key reason? Um, no, because no, no. no, the reason of Minhagim is because they want to be Mahmir on something and Chachamim think it's a good Sayag for the Torah. Just the only from the Beit Din, it's just, you know, they make Takanot and Gezerot, whereas Minhagim, according to where the Rambam wrote it, is that it comes from the people that wanted to be Mahmir and the Beit Din ratifies it. However, the only thing of machloket is because is, is what the Gemara Sahim says that when you're going from one makom to another makom, don't do something different because of a machloket. So only when you're going from one place to another place, that's the reason of machloket. But you know, when you're in one city keeping the minhagim, you have to keep it al pi adin. Uh, it's a, it's a halacha. You have to keep the minhag because of that's what the hahamim saw fit to do. A whole other thing, of course. Nowadays we have the the Ramam is the most machmir in this. Is that even in one city. It's a machloket, a bayi verava. Do you can you have two bate dinim in one city? According to the Rambam, you only are allowed to have one beidin in a city, right? There's no Ashkenazi beidin, Sfardi beidin, Yemeni beidin, whatever beidin, Litvish beidin. No, there has to be one unified beidin in the city. If you don't have one unified beidin, you have the Yisur of Lotit Godidu from the Torah, according to the Rambam. Other the most other Rishonim, they hold. It could be this is a topic for next visit uh, Shiur. Is other Rishonim hold that you're allowed to have two bate dinim in the ones in the same city because if you have two bate dinim, they're like two separate kihilot. And again, what is a kihila? Nowadays, do we have a kihila? You know, we're all using the same, you know, uh, infrastructures. We're all, you know, eating at the same restaurants, speaking the same language. We just, you know, we pray a different nigun when we're singing, but that's pretty much we're all the same kihila. So uh, it, it's not so pashut, but again, only having different minhagim creates machloket. But the minhag itself is not the machloket or reason for machloket. That clarified it. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Quick question. You said um, you have a teshuvah on kitniot. Um, I'd like to read that. How could I get in contact with you? Sure. Sure. Do you guys still use Discord? Is people are people still using Discord? Yeah, uh, members should have access to it. Okay. If you want, uh, if you have Ohad's phone number, you can he'll, he'll send you my phone number. Okay. Fine. Don't, Thank don't, you. Don't, don't share it with anybody. I don't okay. No problem. All right. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Thank you so much, Racham. Uh, very insightful shoot. Hopefully, we can get a part two on this. And uh, thank you so much, everyone, for coming. And uh, please take a minute and fill out our feedback form. And uh, Laila Tov, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Take care.